Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Michael Peterson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Rentz. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. You want to talk about MLB awards and a season MLB awards? We are recording right before anything is going to be announced. So we're going to look like fools. No, we're going to look like we were able to actually make predictions and uh, stand by them one way or another. Yeah. All right. Fine. Do you want to make Do you want to make some predictions or or no? Are you out on that? Uh. Well, let's. What do you think is the easiest one to? What do you think the easiest one to go is? I will. I will be blown. I will be blown away if Randy Orozarena is not the AL Rookie of the Year. I I think that AL Rookie of the Year. I mean, he's he's cheating in some ways, right? Because he's got last year's postseason that everybody's st- or you know 2020 postseason that everyone still remembers, and then he tore it up this year. So yeah, I mean, talk about a great uh, amuse bouche, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I and then I think that. I, I mean, I actually don't think either of the Cy Young or MVP sets is particularly easy. Well, let's, I mean, so National League, we need a National League Rookie of the Year. Is it India? I don't I don't actually even think that's easy, but I think India is probably the favorite. I know that we're AL guys, but like, there are the two leagues that we can predict. I was just saying that that was, I was just saying that that was the easiest one. I mean, do you think any, sure. do you think any of these Cy Youngs are, are easy? I mean, okay. Feet to the fireman to say Garrett Cole AL Corbin Burns NL. I think Cor- Corbin Burns NL is is a good likelihood because sometimes it's all about the up uh, like just the best performances and of a year yeah. and he had some of the best performances. He's pretty impressive for like a month month stretches at a time. Max Scherzer had that weird changing of like teams. Yep, <laughs> you know. And then Zach, what Zach Wheeler? Voters like traditional stats, right? So I mean, so the finalists on the AL side are Cole, Lynn, Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray's strikeouts are phenomenal, but other than that, he's not that great of a pitcher. If that team had made the playoffs, he could have he probably could have gotten it. That's a good point. I, I, I really think it's I really think it's got to be Cole in the AL. I just don't see Lynn doing enough. Yeah, though I mean, yeah, that's sort of a, either any one of those three. I'll be like, meh. <laughs> okay, how about M- MVP here? I think. I mean, I don't like this NL slate. You know, at I all. would put down Ray. I, I no would put down way. Robbie Ray is going to end up getting it because nobody wants to. Nobody wants to give Garrett Cole the MVP. All right, the, uh, Cy Young. All right, let's see it, Robbie Ray. You heard it here first. What about these MVPs? I I don't like I don't like these at all. The N- NL options. Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis. Tatis missed stretches of the season. Was great when I mean, he. The team didn't make it to the playoffs. Team didn't make it to the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, good. Other than that, Harper had a nice resurgent year. Good storyline. Uh, finally, kind of making didn't it. Didn't make the playoffs. Didn't make the playoffs. One, well, one, wait. So none of these three guys yeah. made the playoffs, and they're the what? Yep. So I think 
I think that they would give it to Soto on this list. I think. I'd guess Tatis. Well, I, he had the big. He had the most impact, and one would say that they missed the playoffs because he didn't get the whole season. Tatis so if you were to say the most valuable uh, player, I think that would be I, a I, good argument. I'm going to find that frustrating, but yes, I okay, all right. No, you you've actually persuaded me. I'm going to go with Tatis. I can't stay. AL MVP: Vlad Guerrero Jr., Shohei Otani, Marcus Simeon. All three of these great storylines. Mm-hmm. They're going to say Otani. Absolutely. That's. I also thought it was going to be Otani, but all three of these. Phenomenal storylines. Vlad Guerrero Jr., you know, is the son. Marcus Simeon, late season, late career resurgence out of nowhere. But Shohei Otani's got the best story. Yeah. Because they. Yeah. I mean, and, and the other thing is that Vlad and Marcus will split the vote. Well, the same team. Vote. I think there is something really nice about. I mean, there is something in the voters' mind that's really nice about giving it to Otani because what if in the future he can get a Cy Young? And even if he's not getting an MVP and a Cy Young in the same year, if he's got both at some point. So what if he has like a phenomenal pitching year in the future and then you've got it done, right? Just give him the MVP now. <laughs> Hope this is the year. Yeah, like Verlander. Verlander has both, right? He does. He does, but Otani is not getting the MVP. But Otani's getting the MVP for his batting, I think. I, it's for both, but yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's... It's for his, his bat is the piece that moves the needle, right? Yeah. Do you care about manager of the year? Absolutely. NFL, NFL wise, I just, what is there to say about my team at this point? They, they're doing the very Vikings thing, I know. right? Where they're just, they're going to keep, they're going to keep you going. You're, you're in this season. Like you want to say that you're out because you know that they can't win it all, but they're going to be like, it's going to be week 17. And there's going to be like a playoff seat. I know that's on the line. I know and they're going to be in some convoluted tiebreaker. I know. No, no, no. I already. You know what? This upcoming week is um is battle of the anti vaxxers though, in the NFC North should be interesting. This is this yeah. is a side well, conversation, yeah, but I guess so. who's who's worse from the anti vax perspective right now? Kirk Cousins or Aaron Rodgers? Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Okay. <laughs> 100 <laughs> percent yeah kirk i mean kirk cousins is aggressively anti-vax but he, he did say it he did at least say that he was anti-vax at the beginning as opposed to aaron Rodgers' whole i'm immune i'm immunized or whatever he said yeah i mean i would say is the liar or the asshole better <laughs> yeah the, i mean in this case the asshole is better because from the beginning he said i'm gonna follow you if you give me a protocol you need to give me a protocol to follow but i'm not gonna get it yep i don't like it I think that's a jerk move, uh, but I guess he's followed it, right? He's missed. He, has he missed a game? He missed a game, right? I don't think he's missed a game yet. I'm so. I mean, uh, other than his quality of play, like yeah, I mean, we could we could probably do with him missing a game actually at this point. But well, do you have any comments on fantasy football? I was uh, just checking in with you here. Is it just me or are defenses super wonky this year? Um. How so? Well, who who went first? I was just feeling like the I was just feeling like the defenses that were predicted to do well are not doing that well. Oh, they're not score. It's not scoring. Yeah, yeah. There there hasn't been the same kind of like scoring defense. Yeah, all of them have been pretty bad. Yeah. That's, but this it seems to be that's sort of the case in the last two years. Is it the defensive have been more affected than the offense? I I mean. I have to say, this is probably is my my bias in fantasy football. I love trying to pick a good defense. 
Uh, love trying to pick a good defense. I like I like trying to pick a good kicker. Well, I mean, there you go. I mean, well, defense and kicker. That's I've considered those to be stalwart parts of the team. But the defenses this year have been just looking at the point totals. Like, oh, this isn't going to get anything done for anyone. Well, the thi- yeah, I mean, I think in in fantasy football, if you have a contributing flex, a good defense, and a good and a good kicker, you you, you somehow win a lot of weeks that you shouldn't. Yep. You know, because if you get like in standard scoring, if you end up getting like forty points out of those three spots, yeah. like pff, wow, you you just need everybody to have like two thirds of their highest potential, and then you're gonna win. Exactly, and I feel like with a defense, with a good defense, you can put up twenty points every at least every other week, right? But yeah. the pro- but the problem is, I don't think you're. I don't think there's a way. I should look, but I don't think there's a way to get that many points this year. From defenses. No, there aren't really that many defenses who are like that. The um, other piece I, was, I did want to say, and this was the one point that I wanted to, to get across, um, who doesn't like sophomore slumps and who likes to protect them? Well, you you love Me. you love sophomore slumps. Why? Do you have Pat Mahomes? Oh, I, I love what, to what predict What do you have, them. Pat Mahomes? Herbert. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Why, why'd you pick Herbert? I was sort of... <laughs> I... I waited on quarterback like one round further than I should have. And then it was like, okay, I've got four options here. And then the cycle went, the snake draft cycle. And I came back and it was like, oh, wow, the only option left of the ones that I'd picked is Herbert. And I I, I don't like... Do what you got to do. Well, let's turn to some fantasy baseball here. We are going to talk about lineups, talk about some tools that we're trying to develop, look a little bit at what happened in the past year think a little bit maybe more about what we can do going forward. So let me ask you, I put together some, I put together two things, put together the website update, um, which is still web 1.0. feel like we should do some design. Nice. feel like we should do Looks a little good. bit of design work on this. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> you tell me. And then I also tried to put together a package for you to actually interface with the data I know we got to do a little bit of work there, so we should talk about maybe a little bit more about user interface because I'd love to make this available to anyone, actually. After the, I mean, I spent some time developing the scraper to actually be able to do this. So it'd be nice to make With this. With the idea that you could actually manipulate yeah. it. Yeah, because this, I've found, to back up, I can't find a good log of the lineups anywhere, like on a daily basis where you could just flip through MLB lineups. Uh, I just don't think it, I just haven't seen it before and I just don't feel like it exists and I haven't been able to find an easy way to figure out, okay, where in the batting order did this guy bat any given day? So I want to be able to find that, who's around him. There's a bunch of different ways that I want to search this data that we just haven't been able to find and we finally got fed up with that and pulled down all the raw data (laughs) and now we've got it all and I think we got to figure out what the best way to work with this is. I mean, we've learned a lot from it, but what do we do now? I don't know. We keep on talking about these things, and it, and once you start getting into it, it ends up being so much more work than <laughs> we're really able to take on. I want to be able to search for a player, find out where they batted in the lineup, find out you know with what frequency, find out who batted around them on a regular basis. I think that's what I really want to know from a fantasy perspective. And we're sort of in this spot where we have to be able to figure out how to interpret what, what you put together. These tables. Yeah. A table is one, is a lot of different vectors of data, but it doesn't 
to table. So it doesn't really show. If we want to look at one Soto and be like, what's happening? What's happened this season? What's happening right now? What's going to happen going forward? I don't really have a good way. We also don't really have like a, a number, right? For him. Because we can't really. What do you mean by a number? Because you have. Well, you have a, we have this graph, right? One Soto that shows the um, predilection of his manager to bat him. Yeah. Right? And you can see, we can see sort of an aggregate. Third is where, where they're, they're trying to bat yeah. him. But we don't have like a summary number for that, right? No, this, this was the wrong way to display this data. I think So what we have right now is very team-centric. And what we need is very player-centric data. And I, th- I think that's, a, that's an artifact of how I produced this data because I produced it on a team-by-team basis. Team-by-team. Oh, but that's yeah. not what we need. We really need the player-by-player. Because you're absolutely right. Like, I can estimate on this how many games Juan Soto batted at third. <laughs> like, okay, he played in 100... He Most. started in 146 <laughs> games total, and he's, <laughs> I don't know, 90% of those are at third. Okay, so... <laughs> He batted 130 games at third and 16 games at second, but we don't have that. And I also and that's where yeah. we're not able to then take this and do sort of like a correlation plot on on your batting order. Exactly. I'd also love to be able to answer the question of, okay, so 10% of the time he batted second, are was that a 16 game, a two week stretch that he always batted second, and therefore his value changed a little bit, or was that like Every tenth game, he bats second, and that's a thing that you know you could, in principle, try to predict. Is it that he's only batting? He's doing that against against exact, the Mets. Yes. Is it that he's doing that against left-handed people? Yep, exactly. And so it's it's those kinds of questions that we should ask those kind of abstract questions to help us figure out how to display this data. I think. Well, some other people it matters more. Like that was. Um, in the World Series, who was it? Who was? Oh, not in the World Series. Um, your old friend Margot, ah, uh, Red Sox Rays. Margot was in the lineup, batting high in the batting order on certain days, and then not. Yep. I mean, those. And that's like re- really doesn't really matter for Juan Soto if he's batting second or third. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it does matter for manuel Margot owners if he's batting second versus batting eighth versus out <laughs> yeah well i'm looking i mean i'm looking at not that he ended the season there but i'm still looking at this washington the nationals graph and kyle schwarber batted first in 15 percent of his games for them like why was he batting first that's a totally different value on kyle schwarber than all these games where he batted fourth or batted later in the lineup. I mean, what if you're trying to scrabble out a few extra runs and they they move Kyle Schwarber to fifth or something, and you're like, well, that's not... Yeah, first versus fifth, yeah. That's not what I was looking for. And we, we want to have more information for the fantasy-relevant guys, and then and we want to have better information. for, And even some of the guys on, on, like, on the cusp, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think I think you're right that the guys on the cusp are actually probably the more interesting guys because they're the ones where their value oscillates wildly depending upon if they're getting playing time or not. Yeah, like Adrian Sanchez. Like, that's the guy that yeah. we want to have more information about. Why, why did he bet second? Did he just hot against him? Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it. Well, it's and a, a lot of these pieces are going to be hard to put together because some of it's like, 
well, when did did they only bat second because of an injury? I mean, we're talking about this before with Mondesi, right? Like, what is it going to mean for that lineup if Mondesi moves up to second? Does that change that changes the value of everybody else, uh, depending upon where the lineup slide around to? I also think that we can use some of this to predict going forward as guys move around in the off season, what lineups might look like next year. Right, exactly. We, which would be really helpful for us to know. Exactly. So we have. Should we try to put that together? Like a yeah. How do we even evaluate that right now? I don't know. I if we were to predict it, I I don't know. I mean, the best thing you can say is you like. I'm imagining a heuristic where you look at you you look and say okay. Um, I don't know. Let's let's take an example from a from a, a pretty regular team. So I'm looking at I'm looking at Houston. This isn't going to happen, but let's say Michael Brantley gets traded. Michael Brantley always bats second for Houston. Let's say Michael Brantley gets test- traded to Cleveland, where the guy that we're going to talk about next week, Ahmad Rosario, always bats second. In that in that circumstance, who bats second, Brantley or Rosario? Right. And we have to figure out how to answer questions like that. And <sighs> that's like algorithmically, ideally. Yeah. yeah. Well, is it so? If I say the first thing that I think that we need to get do is be able to have it summarize as a number or even two numbers, right? Do you mean you mean like their av- like the average lineup spot that they batted? Yeah. Yeah, I think so I think we need to do that and I think that's actually a way station on the way to trying to predict how many at bats a guy gets in a given year. Like modulo no injuries. Yeah we should be able to predict pretty strongly based on their batting order how many plate appearances they're going to get because you know what the relationship is from from first to ninth roughly so if we put two numbers like a mean and a dispersion you should be able to predict sort of how many plate appearances they're going to get right like i'm imagining yeah i think that's that's a number one that we want to be able to do because that that, that really that that really moves the needle on everything else so if we were able to have a um, linear regression equation that was that boils down to, um, you know, this batting average number x plus uh, like dispersion yeah. y equals plate appearances. I really want to make that. How do we do, how do we do that? How do what are, what are the steps that we need to take? Well, I think I think it's to be able I think to... it's relatively straightforward. I think that you look at the we start with assuming that every team is exactly the same. How many plate appearances each lineup position got by batting order? Like how many for each game you look at how many plate appearances there were and that in total and that'll tell you the average number of plate appearances by lineup spot. And then you just say you know, you just take each guy's fraction of the games that he played in each lineup spot and just do a straight multiplication through. That's all That's all I would do for a first step. Okay. But it's accounting for all of the uncertainties, like how many games How many games are you worried that a guy will get injured? Like, Sal Perez had a great year this year. <laughs> how, many games is, how many games are we really comfortable predicting Sal Perez to play next year? Well, I'm not even... Well, it's... Yeah, I mean, I guess... Uh, even if we overfit it at number one is putting together the model for this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just, it's just a matter of counting up the plate. I think the first step is to count the number of plate appearances per game, figure out what it looked like from top to bottom of lineup. The, one of the other modeling challenges will be 
how often is a guy pulled in the middle of a game. Right. Yeah. How often is, yeah, hit, pinch run. Yeah. Pinch hit. Yeah. Because we obviously don't want to predict pitchers for 600 plate appearances or 200, uh, not even 600, uh, 150 plate appearances that they would nominally get for the 30 games they start. <laughs> right. But you know they're not going to get that. Yeah. Yeah. If we imagine if we're like, we predicted <laughs> that Patrick Corbin would get 29 games. Pretty, pretty darn it. Plus or minus. Yeah. One. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, <laughs> I do think I do think that'll be. I mean, obviously, some of that'll get ironed out. All right, I think that about brings us to the review session. Andrelton Simmons. I would say, that, wow, he's got some interesting Google searches, um, interesting auto completions, I should say. Do you are you are you requesting an apology that I picked him, or are you okay? Are you at peace with the fact that we're discussing Andrelton Simmons? I mean, we're at the point in the season we're at Andrelton, so it's fine. <laughs> I only said it because... So the reason that I picked Andrelton Simmons is because he is the free agent with the highest salary this past year that we haven't talked about yet. He made $10.5 million from the Twins last year. Like, what? Did he get traded there? Or did they, he did I they believe they just for signed him. For two years? Like, absolute... Backloaded? fools no 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 no. i i don't think that i that's a lot Um, i know but they also had they also had they also have a sort of like money to burn because they're not spending money on anderson simmons is the wrong Um, person to spend money on but yes that is that much yeah i mean that much money seems a little bit crazy but i think the theory of the case was right was that they needed help on their defense well obviously Obviously. And getting Polanco out of short where he's minus. a little overmatched. <laughs> yeah. Aggressively yeah, minus. He's, yeah. To have like, you're hoping that you're getting the gold glove winning. Uh, and, yeah. He's, well, I mean, he's, he's obviously not the gold glove winner. He's not. He's a COVID denying. Uh, well, there's apparently, apparently there's something about being on the Minnesota sports team. Uh, all right. Sorry, I didn't actually didn't give stats. So, Andrelton Simmons, uh, we got 451 plate appearances with a just paltry 37 runs, three home runs, 31 RBIs, one stolen base, 223 average. That's problematic for a <laughs> for an everyday player. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I mean, I honestly don't know what to do with this. Right, like this is not what he was obviously this is not what he was supposed to do or this is not what they expected that he would do i'm looking i mean i'm looking he's well under his average number of home runs in a season he's i mean down on runs not so bad well down on rbis obviously no stolen i don't know what why he didn't have any stolen bases yeah and he's 40 points below his career batting average. So I think my question is, is there anything to look at with Andrelton Simmons going forward? He's going to be really cheap next year at the end of a draft, like dirt, dirt cheap. Is there anything that will suggest to you that he's worth a fantasy look? No, no, there's there's nothing. 
Um, well, this he was a defensive war, a five point five. Wait, wait. This, I guess this isn't right. I never. I'm looking at fan graphs now because I I think that a full understanding his his war was zero point five. He's a below average contributor on a team that was way below below average. So <laughs> so he might not have been. He did wasn't helping, but he wasn't hurting. His off his offensive. Of off batting and base running combined above average is negative twenty five point five. His defensive uh, fielding and positional adjustment combined was five point five. So he was still helpful defensively, but his such a negative on the on the defensive. And that was when he was the mo- when he was at his best. Twenty seventeen, Los Angeles Angels and twenty eighteen Los Angeles Angels. His defense. <laughs> He was just above, just above zero, which then in turn helps him get plate appearances, right? I mean, we're at, yeah. I'm I'm bringing this all up because if his glove does enough to keep him in the lineup, he's gonna accrue sets. He's gonna not only is he gonna just accrue plate appearances, but he's gonna accrue chances to show the player that he is sometimes really well at the well, plate. I feel I feel it's confusing because. If you do the cheating thing and watch just his home runs on Statcast, they look they pretty look good. Go- they look, yeah, they look yeah. honest, right? And so it's not like it's not like a huge confusion that he got it. But then you look and you're like, well, he only hit three in a full season this year. But I was at games where it looked like he had just decided he wasn't going to swing ah. when he was up to bat, and it's like, dude, <laughs> just poke one, just I, do do something up there. Yeah, I think, yeah. I wouldn't put him at head case, but I think there is like there's something mental there where he's like a guy that needs to be to be contributing on offense. He needs to be contributing at his best on defense, and he needs to be playing every day to do that. Okay, and then even then, he's not a matchup. He's not really like a matchups guy. I don't think he's more of the 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 like. The roto like, I'm just gonna put him in there well, every week that he's not in the DL, and over the course of the season he will accrue the middle infield value that he. That's that's kind of I mean right. So that my question, my original it's our hope, my original question was yeah that that is the hope. Was he gonna do that? I also have another for fantasy. I also have another piece of data which is that the Twins batted him ninth this whole year. I mean he's a he's a yeah. he's an excellent textbook case of. Like somebody who's who's just ab- their value is absolutely torpedoed by their lineup spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean I think he needs to be <laughs> he needs to go to the NL so he can at least go up one spot. <laughs> so assuming assuming nothing is different next year, I mean we're we're also at the point in the season where it's useful to say in these review ses- review sessions, like don't even bother looking at this guy for fantasy. Like this is a waste of time for you. And I, I think Anderson Simmons is our first official. Don't even bother looking at this guy. He's not going to have any value for you next year. I don't. I think don't. I well, don't write him off forever. But we are writing him off in pre-draft. Like there's. I don't think that there's a situ. Is there a situation out there where you're like, yeah, this is this is where he's going to be able to. Not on not on the Twins. I mean, there's no reason to think that they wouldn't bat him ninth, eighth or ninth, right? And that's just going to continue to leave his value. Very low in the dirt. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's kind of sad. I mean, I, I actually, I was excited about him coming into this year. I mean, I drafted him on the TGFBI team as a, a guy that ideally you just stick in there in your middle infield spot, you know, low value, but you don't have to worry about him because he's going to play. Same. I felt the same way. Yeah. And it just didn't, it didn't pan out like that. So it's too didn't bad. Didn't get there. It's too bad. Did not get there. Oh, well, yeah. I, there's certain players that I think a lot of people kind of like a little bit, and he's one of them for me. Yeah. Always been like a sort sort of fan, so I kind of like that the Twins ended up getting him, um, and I thought that he would help, and just he, he, he didn't. He hit 297 last year. I know. I mean, I, I take I take games. all the 220, what, 220 stats with a grain of salt, but, I mean, he he did get that. He, and he is a career yeah. 265 hitter, and a big chunk of his the damage was from this year. Yeah, I mean, if he can hit 270 and show up every day, he's worth a worth an own, and that's what he did in 2017, and 2018. But like, he hasn't really. There's not a lot the rest of his career to point that he can do that. And now he's 32, which is ancient shortstop and center fielder. Yeah, defensive stalwart years. Yeah. All right, who are we doing next? We are going to review Ahmed Rosario, the aforementioned. Awesome. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.